Resurrection returns in the fall on Sunday nights on ABC, a discussion about The Returned, the novel, and we chat with the New York Times bestselling author of The Returned, Mr. Jason Mott. Welcome to the 20th episode of Resurrection Revealed. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this Resurrection Revealed podcast. We got a special interview with Jason Mott, as well as some news about Resurrection Season 2. This is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of ABC TV's Resurrection with Theories and a lot more, recorded May 20th, 2014. And I'm Wayne Henderson, and fresh off of a reading of The Returned, I've got a lot of thoughts that I want to share. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, really excited to bring you this great conversation this evening from the man who started all of this great awesomeness, Mr. Jason Mott himself. He, of course, is the returned author, and Resurrection is based on that book. It is now available in paperback. You can get that over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash book. It'll help your mind for actually reading the book, and it will also help the podcast continue on for the great stuff happening this September as we are going to see season two come on Sunday nights on ABC. But even more importantly, Jason's got some big news of his own that he'll share with us about what's coming up in September for his new book, The Wonder of All Things. Yeah, it's almost like we just want to hurry and get summer over with so we can have Resurrection back, Jason Mott's new novel. Lots of stuff. Stay tuned. The interview is coming up in just a bit. But with the ABC upfronts the other day, and you were part of a special Noodle Mix event, Resurrection's coming back a lot sooner than we thought. Super excited, can't believe it when they said that Resurrection was coming back right in the same spot on Sunday nights. It's still a tough, tough time slot. Lots of stuff going to be coming back in the fall as well, including things like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, I'm sure. So I think we'll be fine. You know, DVR is where the show is at, so I think we'll be fine for season two. But the better news that we got is that it's going to be 16 episodes, maybe 15 if they do like a double upper but it's going to be a lot longer than eight, not a full 22. And it's basically going to run from about when the Emmys end to when the Oscars begin. That sounds like a good place to put resurrection. And you said 16 or 15, you know, both of those are numbers from lost. So I think this is a good omen. I knew that was going to come up at one point in the conversation this evening. (laughs) I'm I'm always ready with those. But I do really think 15 or 16 episodes is a sweet spot because eight just seemed to really whiz by. And there's always those dangers of filler if you go all the way to 22. So I am ready. Well, I'm really excited that it's going to be a straight run through. There might be a couple weeks off for you know the holiday break, Christmas, Thanksgiving, right. all that good jazz. But I was really nervous that they were going to do like an 8-8 split, kind of like they did Once Upon a Time uh, this past year where they did 11 for the first half and 11 for the second half. So I'm really excited to get them all up in front right out of the way and have that kind of continuous flow for the show. I am all for that. Do you have any thoughts already where you think season two may go? Yeah, it's really interesting because as you'll hear with Jason in the interview coming up, for those that have not read The Returned yet, this is going to be a book spoiler filled episode. So feel free to come back after you've uh, read The Returned if you have not yet already to hear Jason's interview. But the big thing about the book that I'd like to see is that there's these little vignettes that happen throughout the course of the Arcadia story where you get to see different parts of the world. 
And I know that we've come to grow and love our main characters, especially in the Langstons, and of course, Bellamy, and now the rest of the Thompson family, and of course, Maggie, and Barbara, and Sheriff Fred. So I'd like to see a little bit of that, maybe in the early goings on, maybe the first five, six, seven episodes stay within Arcadia. And then, of course, I'd love to see what's going on elsewhere, because the story could just grow, kind of like Lost did, where it was, okay, it's just the you know, front half of the plane, and then, of course, oh, no, there's the back half of the plane, and oh, nope, there's other people on the island, and oh, no, it actually goes off of the island, and, you know, it just kind of grew from there. So I think that would be great if we could explore what else is going on, if not just in the U.S., Canada, China, etc. And for myself, I just want to find out what's going on, like we talked about on the season finale episode. I need to know, are those people in the helicopter that morphed out of the cicada imagery are they there to help Jacob and Bellamy or have they been captured? I want to know what immediately happens and then go from there. I'm actually more concerned for Henry and Lucille because they obviously know that they helped Bellamy and Jacob escape. So wouldn't the military come looking for the Langstons? What's going to happen to them? That's a good question. I hope and pray that they basically leave them alone and focus on the fact that the population of Arcadia has pretty much maybe doubled, I guess. Tripled. It's hard to say. It's going from a small town to a metropolis in just one fell swoop of a lot of people wearing red. (laughs) And the red is still something too, that I want to get to the bottom of. I hope we get an answer on why red and what the significance of it is, other than it's like an homage to sixth sense or the blood of Christ or any other kind of red cicada healing properties from China from that one article. It'd be great to find out if red is something that's truly part of the plot line. Time will tell Troy time will tell the miracle, the miracle blood. There's all sorts of red that we can go with. There's the lady in red. There was one of those even on uh, that episode of resurrection. So, Oh, well, at least we don't have to wait all the way till next March. And after the interview, we've got a little bit of listener feedback that kind of brought up a great point. I want you to stay tuned for that. And myself, I know, Troy, you said that the interview might be kind of spoilery, but I don't really think it's that spoilery that you could certainly listen to this interview and not learn that much that's going to be happening in the book, The Return, that would keep you from fully enjoying this great, great novel. We will leave it up to you to decide, dear listeners, but be forewarned. There is one element that's kind of a a shocker moment in the book that Jason does talk about. Okay, there's that one thing. (laughs) And of course, after the interview, Wayne and I are actually going to come back with that uh, listener thought and theory. Plus, I'm actually going to ask Wayne his thoughts of the book as Wayne has now finished The Returned. We'll bring that to you right after we speak with Jason in just a bit. Hey guys, Aaron with The Hollywood Outsider here. I don't have long, so I need you to listen up. I'm going to debrief you about our new show where we're discussing the exciting new event series, 24, Live Another Day. Every week, we're going to go over the latest episode, where we think the show is heading, and our listeners' thoughts. It's also called 24, Live Another Podcast. You can download each episode to your PDA of choice through iTunes, Stitcher, or go to the website directly at thehollywoodoutsider.com slash 24. Okay, now that's all I can tell you right now. They're listening. So why aren't you? I gotta go, guys. I'm running out of time. Resurrection fans, we have a special treat for you this evening on a special edition of Resurrection Revealed. 
the man who started this entire journey with us tonight, Jason Mott. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Returned, which of course you can go ahead and order by going to resurrectionrevealed.com slash book. And we're just so grateful that Jason's taken time out to spend time with us and talk about this fantastic journey. Welcome to the program, Jason. Ah, Thank you very much for having me. So I guess let's start with roots, background, and kind of what got you into writing in the first place. Uh, Yeah, sure thing. The background is that I'm from a very small town in North Carolina called Bolton, uh, about 700 people. It's a really rural area. I grew up reading a lot of really epic fantasy and epic poems, uh, the Odyssey, the Iliad, things like that, and Beowulf, and just really loved those. And I got into writing when I was about 13 or 14. I stumbled across uh, a book called Grendel, written by John Gardner, which was a retelling of Beowulf from the monster's point of view. I didn't know that writers were allowed to really, you know, re-envision these kind of amazing canonical tales that way. Um, and I basically said, I want to do that one day. So I started writing short stories from that point forward and just try to progress as best I could. Excellent. And Jason, Wayne Henderson here. The um, whole story behind your novel, The Returned, where did you come up with that whole concept? Sure. It actually came from a dream that I had. My mother passed away in 2001. In 2010, uh, in the summertime, I had a dream that I came home from work and found her sitting at the kitchen table waiting for me. So I came in and sat with her, and for what seemed like hours, we just talked about all the things that had happened in the years since she passed away. I talked about all these new people that I had met, going to school, trying to be a writer. Um, she gave me a hard time for not being married, so what your mom's supposed to do. So it was a really warm, vivid thing where for the first time in almost a decade, I felt like I was really back with my mother again. So I woke up the next morning, expecting, pretty much expecting to find her there, and of course she wasn't. So I was talking to a friend about it a few weeks later, and at some point in the conversation, he said, wouldn't it be really amazing if that actually happened, and what if it wasn't just her? What if it was other people as well? And that's where the project started. So what was the concept or the message that as people read this book, you start out thinking, okay, zombie apocalypse is kind of the big hot rage. So is this going to be some kind of zombie thing? Is it going to be kind of sci-fi alien type of thing? And you really get to a tender moment in the book that this is really something more, I don't want to say faith-based, but it's you know faith-based, but spirituality and humanity at the same time. What was really your message you wanted to get across as people read this novel? Well, I think that the, the largest message is simply you know, the the age-old message to enjoy the time that we have with people. The story explores this moment in which, you know, we're given a second chance to spend time with people and, you know, whatever we make of it is what we make of it. But ultimately, the story is about, you know, the fact that this is just a kind of a dream world and ultimately we really have to make the best of things that we have and the people that we have in our lives right then and there, right now. So that's really what the book is trying to kind of convey as best as possible. And I think it does a great job of doing that. And then naturally, of course, it finally becomes a television series resurrection. How did that process go for you from taking your novel, The Returned, to the TV show Resurrection and kind of working with Aaron Zellman on the whole project? Um, it's been pretty wonderful, actually. Things happened. Um, I never really expected it. And then when things started happening, they happened really quickly, which is even more surprising. When my, my agent, when she, you know, when we found a publisher, she sent the manuscript to a wonderful film rights agent. And he basically kind of went off and did whatever magic that he does. And I never expected to hear anything back. You know, I was, I didn't really think it would get optioned. And about a month later, um, we heard back that ABC was interested. And we went with Plan B because I'm a huge fan of Plan B. Like, I'm a bit of a film buff, so I knew who Plan B was. I knew their body of work. 
I knew how to kind of specialize in book to sell and doing really good jobs with it. So, you know, they took the option. And again, I didn't expect anything to happen because as we all know, books get options frequently and rarely go anywhere. It's, you know, Hollywood's a really strange town to kind of progress in. So I didn't think anything would happen. And, you know, maybe a month and a half later, Aaron was assigned for the project. And then a month after that, Charles McDougall was assigned as a director. And a couple of months later, they were casting. So things fell into place really quickly. And, um, and working with Aaron has been really wonderful. Like Aaron is definitely Aaron's baby. I don't, I don't want to try to pretend as if I'm running the show, but I love what he's doing with it. You know, he was, he was very gracious enough to kind of send me a copy of the, the pilot script before, before things ever got going really. And I read it over and absolutely loved it. Um, him and I sat down once when they were shooting the pilot and talked about the show and potential ways the show could go in and you know, what they might be able to do with the story. And he's he's very open, very you know, very creative, very intelligent guy, great writer. So I'm very excited about what he's doing with the show. And taking this dream that you had, I mean, this is almost like a dream come true because how many writers, especially from Bolton, North Carolina, are able to get something <laughs> into Hollywood but fast tracked as quickly as this went? Yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind, no doubt about that. Um, like I said, you know, it was there's this period where everything that was just kind of happening back to back in this amazing amount of short amount of time. So I'm still not sure how it all happened, but I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm very grateful for the things that have happened and the people that I've met since all this has happened. So it's been a whirlwind, but it's been fun. Now, in the book itself, you have this great revelation that the lady laying in the bed next to Harold, because it's Harold in the book versus Henry in the TV show, this lady mm-hmm. laying in the bed is, of course, Bellamy's mom. Did that kind of tie into the fact that you wanted to have this kind of relationship because you had this dream in your kitchen? And then directly correlated to Aaron taking it to Bellamy being one of the Thompson kids? Well, um, it's kind of answer the first question. It was definitely, like, AJ Bellamy was definitely my proxy character. So, you know, I wanted to, as much as I wanted to be a story in which readers were able to kind of find their catharsis and, you know, find this kind of uh, resolution, I also wanted to sort a few things out on my own. So I created this Agent Bellamy character and this thing about his mother. It was, it was very much patterned after my own experiences with my mother and kind of coping with her passing. So that was the mechanism that I used for that. As for Aaron, you know, um, forced to kind of make it where, you know, Bellamy is one of these these, these children, these family children. Um, that was something that he's kind of stirring up. He's, he's actually got his own agenda as to what he wants to do with that. And I like where he's going with it. So I'm not going to talk too much about that, but he's, he's doing some good things with that. And Jason, for the story that ABC's told so far on the series Resurrection, do you have any uh, thoughts on how you think that's been coming together? Have you been watching the show each week and getting the cliffhangers just like the rest of us? <laughs> Definitely. I've been enjoying it. I enjoyed the whole season. Um, I like where they're going with it. I think that they're doing a good job of staying true to the spirit of the novel that I wrote, but they're not being a slave to the narrative. I like how they're kind of rearranging the, the timeline in certain aspects and how things happen. You know, people ask me oftentimes, you know, how do I feel about all the changes that they're making? And I, I like the changes because it's about, I would, I would say it's about 70%, you know, following the book. And I think that's more than enough, honestly. I like interpretation or, or adaptations in which you add new material, but also stay true to the, the source material. And that's what Aaron's doing. So I very much enjoy what they're, what they're kind of doing with it and where they're going with it. Yeah, really great comparison is, of course, Fred and Harold at the end of the book now make the twist and have them be brothers and kind of hating each other because of the way dad treated them in the past. And the fact that Jacob came back versus Barbara not coming back to Fred. And so I thought that combination of characters was really good. And then of course, the disappearing act that happens at the end of the book, having them wield that into Caleb's character when he disappears in episode five, I thought that was a really great twist by Aaron's part as well. What'd you think of those? 
Yeah, I like that a lot. Like I said, I like where I like the element of he's he's just kind of changing the timeline around a bit to kind of you know to to present it differently on the screen. I think that's a terrific move. You know, all the elements are still there. You know, the ingredients of the the recipe are still there. They're just kind of shifted around a little bit, and I think that's a really terrific way to do it because it lets him um, build his own narrative and kind of you know go in his own direction. But at the same time, he's got the framework of the original narrative for people that have read the book and are coming to it from you know as readers. They're able to find these things that they know about and they kind of you know are in advance of, but they're also new as well. I think that's just a terrific combination. Um, I will also say that I really love the fact that he made Fred Green uh, into or Fred's character into the actual sheriff. Um, as soon as I saw that in the pilot script, um, I thought that was just a brilliant move, and I kind of wish I had done it in the novel. Uh, for that character, as the novel progresses, the things that happen within the story, if he had been the sheriff, it just would have been that much heavier of a burden for that character. And I think that that was just a really wonderful move on Aaron's point, point uh, part as a writer. So I think he definitely gets a pat on the back for that one. The entire series being such a whirlwind, it's hard to believe it was only eight episodes so far for season one. And recently we saw the grand finale of season one and there was a big finale event in Arcadia, Missouri, the real Arcadia, Missouri, that you attended with Kevin Sizemore. Uh, can you give us any details on the fun and festivities that went on there? <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a really terrific weekend. Actually. Um, I went up there on a Friday, basically hung out the entire weekend in this town of Arcadia, Missouri, which, you know, honestly and truly really does exist. And it's an absolutely beautiful town full of wonderful people. Um, we did some trivia stuff. We we signed some books, did some book club stuff. It was a really warm, welcoming um, just atmosphere where this whole town of people was excited to have me there. And you know, they gave me tours, and it was just an absolutely great time. And then, of course, Kevin showed up, and, you know, Kevin's a terrific guy, hilarious guy. As soon as he came, you know, that just took it up another notch, and we had a, just a terrific time. We all sat together in um, this auditorium and watched the season finale together, and did raffles during and raffles after. It was an absolute blast. Now, of course, Kevin was in that final episode briefly. Did he know? Did you know how this was going to end? Or were you guys just as shocked as the audience was? No, I actually, I kind of knew. Um, it's, a, it's a weird phenomenon where I knew what the ending was, but I had not seen it yet. Because I've been fortunate enough to be in contact with the cast members and you know, people associated with the show pretty closely. And like, you know, I, 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 so I kind of talked to people and I knew what the ending was going to be, but I hadn't actually sat and watched it. And so it was very cool to be able to finally sit there and see it. And it was also cool to see everyone's reaction. You know, there was, you know, maybe 50 or 60 people in this auditorium together and they were very vocal about their reactions to the endings and things like that. So kind of seeing that, you know, hearing their people gasp and things like that was just so much fun. I wish I could have been there for that, Jason. That does sound fantastic. <laughs> have you had a chance to maybe just think and daydream about what what are some things that you might hope they touch on during the season two of resurrection um that's a good question actually i think that you know i'm I'm hoping that as the series progresses it becomes uh, it takes that that larger kind of international kind of look to it in the novel you know there are certain international things that i wish i had been able to explore more there you know between chapters and these small vignettes you get these brief glimpses of how things are happening all across the globe and that's the thing that I, as a writer of the novel, I wish I'd had more time to explore and venture into with these small vignettes and these glimpses of what else is going on and different reactions to the return. So I'm hoping that they'll get that privilege um, over the course of the series and hopefully it runs for several seasons and they're able to really stretch their legs and do more. But I would really love, you know, outside of the town of Arcadia, how it gets bigger and becomes this global event. Hopefully they'll get that chance, but, you know, we'll all see what happens. Let's talk about those vignettes for a minute, because that's one thing that I really enjoyed about The Return when I read it. 
and including the three prequels that led up to the actual book. Is that something you had planned, or is that something that the publisher suggested because of the heavy nature of the material? Um, actually, it came about from my agent, actually. When she and I were working on the book, before we, you know, before we had a publisher, she and I went through a pretty heavy revision process. And there was this, this kind of conflict occurring within the story, um, within the writing of the story, rather, where you, know, you had the, town, the narrative of what was happening in Arcadia, but I had these you know, sections where it went off and kind of talked about other people and all across the globe and things like that. And they just weren't meshing together. Like, you would get really distracted from, you know, there were like 15 pages of stories about other people. And it would just break the narrative up really badly. Um, and my agent said, we got to find another way to, to save these pieces, to give you glimpses of the world at large, but, you know, not break up the narrative of what's going on in Arcadia and, you know, the Harold and Lucille and Jacob story. So the last project that I worked on, the last manuscript that I had done, I focused on these vignettes between chapters. And I said, well, I, you know, I'll pull that out and see if I can make that work in this particular project. And so I took those, those huge stories that I had written about these, these people on other parts of the globe and just condensed them down as tightly as possible to these brief moments and added them in between chapters. And my agent loved it. And so I think readers have loved it since it came out. So it was a good move, but I think my, my agent kind of pushed me into that. Well, I think that was a great move on their part. <laughs> I just finished this past week. Now that we had Resurrection finished, I was finally able to go and read The Returned as well as all three prequels. And I think they all pieced together really, really well. I got a great feel. I always go for the feel when I'm listening and reading a book. And it, mm-hmm. I think it turned out really well. Now, of course, you have other exciting things going on, Jason. You've got a new book coming out in just a couple of months, The Wonder of All Things. Break it down for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's another project I'm very excited about. Um, like I said the title is The Wonder of All Things. It centers on this father and daughter in another small town in the South. And basically, the daughter performs a miraculous healing, and the world finds out about it. And the reaction that the world has kind of starts to tear this family apart. So the story follows this father and daughter as they try to stay together, you know, as the world kind of starts to invade and you know, really want to take a piece of, you know, this girl's gift and explore the ramifications of what that might mean. So it's a father and daughter story I, I wrote after watching a friend grow up from being a college, you know, wild man to this wonderful parent with this beautiful daughter and son now. So I wanted to kind of do a little bit of homage to him and that's where the story came from. Now, from what we've heard about the book, it centers around, there's a plane crash or something. And because of that, she, she's the only survivor and then she like ends up healing some people. Is that kind of the premise of um, this? Well, the, the initial opening premise is that there is an air show in this very small town and that the airplane kind of crashes and it hits this crowd. And um, fortunately, no one, no, one really, no one really dies. A lot of people are injured, but no one dies. And the central character, her name is Ava. Uh, her best friend, Wash, they, they grew up together their entire lives. Um, Wash is pretty badly injured as a result of this plane crash. And he's basically laying there kind of dying, essentially. And she goes over and She's trying to stop the bleeding, and she just wants him, you know, to not be hurt, to be healed. And somehow, all of a sudden, he is. And it's all caught on camera. It's all caught on video and shot to the internet, to the YouTube. And before you know it, everyone knows about it, and everyone wants to find out about this girl and this event and these things that are happening. Did you draw on any other material as you came up with this story? I mean, it sounds a little bit like Green Mile in a way, where you had the one inmate that, of course, you know, tries to make everybody feel better. But at what cost is that to his own life? 
Yeah, there are definitely there are elements of lots of different of your know, movies and stories that I've read. You know, you know, ultimately the idea of you know of a miraculous healing is a pretty old and kind of kind of superfluous idea or you know ubiquitous idea. But there are definitely certain movies. You know, The Green Mile, even Powder back in the '90s. You know, there are certain movies I've seen that have kind of influenced it. So I wanted to take it and you know really give my own take on it as best as I could and really focus on the, the dynamic between this this boy and girl who are at this very pivotal point in their lives. And, you know, at the worst time, kind of the world is forcing its way in. That does sound like it's going to be a great book. I definitely am going to pre-order that, The Wonder of All Things. I think it could make a great television show as well, just saying, or maybe a motion picture. <laughs> awesome. I'm not, uh, I have no issue with that at all. I'm okay with that. So hopefully awesome. we'll, uh, you know, get a phone call from someone. <laughs> well, it sounds like it could be a really great tender moment too, between Ava and Walsh and kind of their togetherness as they go forward, you know, how are their lives going to be bonded too? So it'll be really great to explore that relationship as well as Ava with her dad. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun story to write, you know, going through the process. It was, it was cool to kind of focus on these two characters because as much as the story is about a father and daughter, it's also about these two characters, Wash and Ava, trying to figure out, you know, their connection to each other as, as all these things are happening. And it was really fun to, to kind of explore that and, you know, give that time to play out and really, you know, see what young love or, you know, young people really mean to each other and things of that matter, in addition to this, the narrative about family and whatnot. So it was a fun project. I'm really excited about it. So we have to ask, because it's a fan show, even though we don't agree necessarily that answers always have to be given, but there are people <laughs> that, of course, want answers for the return. So is there going to be an answer in The Wonder of All Things, or is it going to be more of a thinker again? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll leave that. To, I'm not going to answer that question. I want to duck that question very, very humbly. <laughs> duck that question. Um, I think that readers, hopefully, readers, when they read, you know, the return, they came away feeling, you know, feeling satisfied. Even they didn't get the answers they necessarily may have wanted, they felt satisfied, and they closed the book not with any, not with any feelings of regret. And hopefully, the the wonder of all things will kind of, you know, have that same feeling where. You know, there may be a question or two that doesn't get answered, but hopefully the really important questions do get answered and readers are okay with that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And if not, just ask Aaron Zellman because we finally got to see what was inside the casket. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> and the wonder of all things comes out this September, right, Jason? Yes. At the end of September, actually, there'll be a book tour in October. So I'll be traveling around in October promoting the book. But yes, it comes out at the end of September. It is available for pre-order right now. Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, indie stores, um, you name it, you can pre-order it right now. And then, of course, everybody loves listening to the podcasts here, so we're big audio people. I'm assuming there's a, a, a audio version on Audible as well? Yes, there will be an audio version as well. Sweet. Yeah, all the details are over on uh, Jason Mott's website, jasonmottauthor.com. Be sure to check that out, and we'll link to it in the show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Jason. Now, Jason, do you have some other ways that uh, listeners can help support you beyond just buying your books and uh, reading the great stuff you've written? There is an organization that I do kind of support. Um, it's called Poetry Now. It's just as a spell there, you can go to Facebook and find their page. Um, it was started by a friend. He, he's a, a spoken word poet, and he, he likes working with youth poets. So he's kind of taken and started this nonprofit organization in which they go into school. He goes into schools. And just teaches young kids how to express themselves through poetry, whether it be spoken word or sonnets or whatever it is. And it's a really wonderful project that he's, he's really put himself into for these last few years. And so I try to donate my time and, you know, efforts and things like that to them. So uh, again, the project is called Poetry Now. Um, you feel free to kind of Google it and find it on Facebook if it's there and 
you know, definitely if you want to kind of, you know, send some donations their way, they're definitely always looking for it. They're great projects. Well, it's been fantastic having you on, Jason. We thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to the Resurrection fans, the Returned fans. Wayne and I are going to continue on talking about the book here for the rest of the episode. And of course, promoting the wonder of all things, which you can, of course, pre-order over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon. We'll have it up there for pre-order in the store. Awesome again, Jason. Thanks so much for coming out. This has been absolutely fantastic. Love the book, love the prequels, and cannot wait. Terrific. Thank you guys for having me. This was an absolute blast. Thanks so much. And thanks for all the readers and all the viewers of Resurrection, all the readers at The Return. You know, you guys are you know, driving it all forward. So thanks so much to everyone. Excellent. Thank you, Jason, again. No sweat. Thank you guys very much. Jason Mott is such a nice guy. And again, thank you, Jason, for taking the time to be with us. So gracious with his time and a great interview. We learned a lot of fabulous stuff about the novel The Returned, as well as his upcoming book and Jason himself. And I think that was fabulous. Great way to kind of tidy things up at the end of season one of Resurrection by talking with the man that basically started it all. And don't get me wrong. I love Return and I love Resurrection, but I'm really excited to see a TV show of the new book. And I haven't even read the new book yet. The new book sounds totally boss. Yes. Like we talked about in the interview, uh, he's not opposed to it being turned into a TV series or a motion picture himself. So be sure to pre-order that book and uh, get some reading done. Of course, it doesn't come out till September 30th, around the same time that uh, Resurrection returns. But just go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash book. So speaking of the returned, Mr. Wayne, you've just finished it, fresh in your mind. I'd love to know your thoughts as you read through the book now from a Resurrection viewer's perspective were you tripped up on anything, found anything weird, different? How did you enjoy the book? Well, like Jason talked about, it really is basically the bones. And so I knew all along that when I finally did get to read The Return and I listened to it on audiobook, that's my preferred method. I like listening to podcasts, audiobooks, anything audio. And basically... It is a lot different than the series, but I was totally fine with that. And there were points when I'm listening to it because it's so filled with imagery that just made me feel like I was there. I could really picture all of these characters in The Returned that I just felt like I was there. I really picked up on it. And there were points when I forgot that I was listening slash reading a book that was the basis for resurrection. And then, of course, then things would happen. I'd be, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> you know, but I think the book is just so well written and you really can get immersed in the whole story. And like Jason talked about and you as well mentioned, Troy, that you don't necessarily get all the answers that you may want. And we've talked in the past how it's not always about the answers. It's about the story. It's about the people, the characters and what happens between them. And so I really, really did enjoy this book. It's a pretty quick read, and the prequels, I think, are fantastic. They're not mandatory, but they're very affordable. They're pretty short, and I, I think they all go together in one great piece. Yeah, I thought the prequels were a really great introduction to the story, because I think if you jump in with Jacob and the Langstons from the get-go, you don't really get an understanding of what Jacob is and why Jacob is there. And there's some conversation, of course, that happens with, in the book, his name is Harold instead of Henry, that we have some conversation that happens between Harold and Lucille with what's being broadcast on the television. So by the time Jacob returns, this is a worldwide phenomenon at this point early on in the book. So where we have this kind of contained 
in the TV show, I think that's really a, an interesting twist on the dynamic because at the front end, you already people know what's going on. Here in Resurrection, you only have a few people that know what's going on. And how does how do you deal with that independently? And I think that's kind of where season two might actually take us. Yeah, I think it would be great to focus on that side of it because when I first saw the promos and the first episode of Resurrection until near the end, I thought the whole series was only going to be about Jacob, which would be totally the opposite of what happens in the book, The Returned. So I guess the question I have for you, when you read it, were you expecting an answer at some point where you kept turning the page and kept turning the page and you're like, the next page is going to tell me why this is happening. Were you expecting that as you read along? I wouldn't say I was expecting it. I was kind of hoping for things like that because I always do in the back of my mind, hope for answers of some sort, but I'm not uh, deflated if I don't get them. So even though I was kind of hoping for them, I was not expecting them. And so if I didn't find out everything, maybe there can be a sequel down the road, Jason. That's a good possibility as well. Well, I mean, I guess the question goes back to Lost, right? Because this is really a game-changing television show back in the you know early 2000s that there was so much information and so much left, I want to call it unanswered, but questioning, did we get an answer on those particular topics that do you miss the overall story of, in the case of Lost, you know, Jack Shepard and his trials and tribulations on the island of him becoming the person he needs to be based on everything that happened in his past. So if you're reading the story looking for an answer, I think you're going to miss a lot of the tenderness moments that really make the return what it's all about. So for those people that have read it and are saying, oh, don't read it because there's no answers at the end. I think the answers for this story are really what is the answer you're looking for because this may be more of a humanity conversation, more of a spiritual conversation. Hmm. So it's, it's really what's going on in your life at that moment when you read this. And that determines how I think you interact with the story and the characters within. And I also put myself in the shoes of a lot of the characters, because if they're doing something that seems a little bit out there, I, I, I try to, why, why would they make that decision or say that? Because there's some, there's some pretty wild things that are said in this story. Did you listen to the audiobook version, Troy? I absolutely did. And because I started listening to the audiobook version after I knew that Kurtwood Smith was cast as Harold slash Henry in Resurrection, for some reason, every time I heard the narrator reading Harold's character, I just could not help but picture Kurtwood Smith saying those lines. <laughs> I was going to lead into that, and you picked up on that exactly what I was thinking as well. Tom Stetschult, and I might have his name almost correctly, is the narrator of the audiobook. And I had to go look up the name to see who was the voice actor reading the book because he sounded so much like Kurtwood Smith that I'm I'm like, did they really get him to read the book? That'd be awesome. But, uh, you know, Tom's not doing an impersonation of Kurtwood Smith, but there's a lot of similarities and you picked up on it right away as well. I love it. Well, and the big thing that I noticed when I was re-listening to the book again is how much Lucille's character is really strong and powerful in the book. And then you have Frances Fisher, who's such a great actress. You know, I really hope that Lucille gets more screen time and more kind of the Lucille of the book in season two, because there's so much to Lucille in the book 
that I think we can yet see come out of Francis Fisher playing Lucille in the show. Agreed. I think that might be the character that's the most different. Uh, Bellamy's fairly different in the book as well, but uh, Lucille's character is vastly different. In some ways, I I like how it's played by Frances Fisher on the show, The Resurrection, a bit better. See, even though she, like you said, may not be quite as strong and as assertive, she seemed a little bit odd in the book in some ways. And I don't know if in the book, if she's supposed to be even older, like maybe even in her 70s or early 80s. I don't know. I was trying to pick up on that. Well, in the book, the death span, I guess we'll call it, between when Jacob dies and when he comes back is actually 60 plus years. So you do have a little bit more aging taking place. Okay, so that explains it. That's right. Yeah, I think the Langstons would be more like, you know, 70 or 80 versus, you know, where they are now, more 50s, 60s. That makes sense. That that pieces it together because, yeah, they did talk about when Jacob uh, died and all of that, and it was a long time passing. Well, we highly encourage you guys to read The Returned at some point, whether it's before September, so that you can then go ahead and roll right into The Wonder of All Things, as Jason mentioned. It should be out about September 30th, I think, was the pre-order I saw on Amazon. Yes. Again, resurrectionrevealed.com slash book. You can pre-order The Wonder of All Things and, of course, get The Returned. But I highly recommend reading it. Just if nothing else, sit down and kind of understand Jason's mindset, because then you might kind of think about where Jason and Aaron Zellman are having these conversations about where the TV show may go. Exactly. And like Jason talked about in the interview, how he came up with the idea for the returned. If you have that in mind ahead of time, I think that really puts a whole new dimension on the book. So it is going to be all a dream at the end of this thing. No, the book's not going to be a dream. (laughs) The dream's just the basis for the book. At least that's how I see it. I don't think it's going to, the whole thing's going to be a dream. No, I don't think so either. I think it's going to be something spectacular, magical, just like the book was. And it was just great being able to read it twice now. And then, of course, spend the time with Jason this evening, which I think I hope all of you enjoyed. And we'll assume hopefully have Jason back on as we get closer to uh, season two coming in in the fall. And of course, we want to remind you to keep subscribed in the feed because we're going to try to at least have another episode out sometime mid-June in case there are any of those cool DVD Blu-ray extras on that season one DVD, which you can, of course, go to resurrectionrevealed.com slash season one and pre-order that as we speak. Yeah, because that's going to be coming out in less than a month. And I, I'm hoping, you know, like I said, I'm not expecting a lot of bonus features uh, for a series that only had eight episodes in season one. But I'm hoping for uh, something funny stuff, serious stuff, outtakes, anything. I couldn't find anything listed just yet on what might be on the discs, but even just as a great keepsake of those eight episodes of Resurrection Season 1, for me, gotta have it. Well, there's a bunch of listener feedback that still are coming in in droves. I know, I think Australia actually just finished watching the finale earlier this week as well. So why don't you go ahead and take the first one there, Mr. Wayne? Yes, because the Resurrection Revealed listener community has left us a lot of great comments, even on our website, as well as uh, got another new review in iTunes. So thank you for that. And on the website, two things that were posted. Uh, Mikhail posted, as a wise man once said, and this is after he heard about season two coming, happy, happy, happy. And so, Mikhail, (laughs) that basically sums it up very, very well. And Neil from Bowie also commented on the show notes at uh, resurrectionrevealed.com. 
He says, a bonus to the show starting up again in the fall is that the child actors will not have aged much in the meantime. We don't have to try to explain one of those pesky Walt-like growth spurts on Lost. And Troy, yeah, bigger, taller Walt on Lost after all those years when he aged, that was kind of hard to explain. Yeah, because it's a lot harder to say, Jacob! <laughs> Jacob! <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, callback there, Troy, because that's a great point, especially because there's a lot of child actors on Resurrection and the sooner they get started writing, filming and presenting the show, the uh, better it'll be in the long run as far as keeping people from saying, why is that kid look so much bigger? Not knowing uh, they grow up usually and then they leave home and move on and all those happy things. Uh, Neil continued on the uh, website post, though. I don't know whether I would have watched either Under the Dome or Resurrection if you weren't doing the podcast. I was definitely more interested in the shows, watched them at or near airtime, and was more involved because of the podcasts. Neil, thank you so much for that. That's awesome of you to say. And hey, we, we just love the show and want to get into deep discussions with the listeners. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, and if any of you are out there that have found Resurrection because of the podcast, please let us know. Drop a review in iTunes, resurrectionrevealed.com slash iTunes. Send it to us via email at feedback at resurrectionrevealed.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, share that with all the wonderful people at ABC and just say a big thank you to them, of course, for bringing back the show that we have grown to love in a very short period of time. So say we all. Resurrection Revealed is not affiliated with ABC Television or Plan B, and since this is one of those unofficial podcasts, we do have periodic costs for the website, URL, the MP3 hosting, all that good stuff. So if you're planning on ordering Season 1 of Resurrection on DVD June 10th, you can go ahead and pre-order it now by going to resurrectionrevealed.com slash season one, and it'll help out the podcast. You can even donate directly to the show. You can donate once in any amount you'd like or sign up for an ongoing monthly donation. Anything you can do will help, and we actually may do something different for Season 2, so stay tuned for that. You never know what we might think up, and as we patiently wait for Season 2 of Resurrection this fall, keep checking back to ResurrectionRevealed.com for an update on anything that might be coming on or news as it happens, and also follow us on Twitter at ResurrectionPod. Be sure to follow us, and you can also follow Troy at Troy Heinrichs on Twitter. Myself, I am T-I-W-W-H on Twitter, and Facebook is cool too, you know? Everything is awesome over on Facebook. 1,100 of you are on the Facebook page so far, so check out ResurrectionRevealed.com slash Facebook to like the page and uh, get updates there as well and join in on the conversation. But most importantly, subscribe to the feed so that you can keep up with all the news as we get potential new cast members, maybe even some story arcs from the writers themselves. So you want to keep ResurrectionRevealed.com right there, close to the chest, ResurrectionRevealed.com slash iTunes slash Stitcher slash TuneIn and slash iHeart if you're an iHeartRadio fan. There'll be some great stuff for us to talk about as the summer rolls along. So until then, we will talk at you soon and we promise we will return. I am Troy Heinrichs. And I'm Wayne Henderson. See you next month for Under the Dome Radio, and then in just a few months, again, on Resurrection Revealed.
Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.